Welcome to the Bear Hug Club, a pro wrestling podcast of positivity. Welcome back to the Bearhood Club podcast. My name is Greg, and as always, I'm joined by my boo, Garrett. Hello, baby boo. And I'm joined by my other boo, Jace. How's it going, life partner? It's going well, life partner. So, uh, a few quick things before we get into today's episode. So, you may have noticed at the start of the episode there, we now have intro music, and it's pretty kick-ass. So, uh, <laughs> unless, unless we didn't. Uh, Unless in which we case, <laughs> In I which mean, case, you, will do, you, you yourself will record a jingle... Uh, only by your your voice. So it's, it was either you doing a little little voice jingle, or it was an actual jingle for the pod. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's a good thing you brought that up because I mean, I've been going backwards and forwards with my friend William over this track. Essentially, if you, if it does work, hopefully there's no tech issues. William played all the music on it. It's really good. And then I was meant to record the opening line, and for whatever reason, the file kept fucking up. So it's William's voice you'll hear on the opening intro. So. Hopefully it will work, and hopefully you'll be on this episode, you do get to hear it. But um, big thank you to William Cawley, he's an old friend of mine, a very skilled musician. Um, if you want to go check him out, he's got um, a Spotify for his band, Late Night Brain Freeze. Really good band, so please show him a bit of love and go check out his songs and give him a bit of support there, because he is a really good musician. So thanks again, William. What a class band name, Late Night Brain Freeze. I know, so right? Good. It's really good. Uh, but he's had a few different bands, but I think that's the, like the best name he's ever had for one. It's it's a really good name. So mm-hmm. props to him for that one. Um, before we get into anything else, there obviously we've got our social media feed. So if you want to check us out on Facebook or at the Bear Hug Club podcast, you can check us on Instagram at Bear Hug Pod, uh, Bear Hug Club for Twitter, and we also now have a YouTube channel set up where I've been. Very slowly adding all the episodes of the pod, and as well, you'll find uh, highlight versions on there as well. So at the moment, I've done every edition of matches you need to see so far i will be getting to the rest it's just obviously a quite a long process but yeah if you want to go check us out on there you can um other than that we'll get you in the episode but the first thing we want to bring up is uh right before we started recording it was announced that pat patterson sadly passed away um age of 79 so he did live a ripe old age and we just wanted to kind of do a bit of discussion about him uh what are your thoughts on it lads Heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking. It's like such a legend of the industry, first intercontinental champion, Vince's right hand for however many years, been there, seen it all, and just one of them. Just like I said in in our group, our group message, like it was an arc, it was like an archeo, it was out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah it, he's. He's one of those people that you can point to that has changed the landscape of such a a, a, a brain in wrestling. Like he's like a Dusty, or a, uh, you know, he's he's one of these these people that has inspired so many, uh, and and not only just professionally, but even just socially. Um, you know, him obviously being uh, you know one of the the first, if not, I don't know if he was the first openly uh, gay wrestler. Um, yeah, but. But yeah, what a a, a a tragic loss, but but a, a wonderful uh, 
a wonderful person to to share the ring with so many people and to share the knowledge yeah no absolutely guys i mean like you're saying there it, it's hard to say whether he was like truly the first but i think he was probably one of the first sort of like big names to kind of come out mm-hmm. as being openly gay and, and again i mean he's been wrestling i think basically since like the late 50s so he was kind of uh, openly gay through a lot of the heavy periods where it was still heavily persecuted against mm-hmm. um like so I, I mean i think we all kind of knew who he was but i only really got to full the grips of him when his book came out a couple of years ago um if you want to check it out it's called accepted how the first gay superstar changed wwe it's a really good read as well it's um it's one of those interesting biographies you'd think for a guy with his long career it would be quite a big book but it's actually like kind of like the perfect length it's it just kind of keeps things nice and concise going over some of his like favorite things throughout his career because um, like we were saying that it's not just the fact he was a skilled in-ring worker I mean he was the creative mind behind the Royal Rumble um, incredibly instrumental as well for bringing in some of like the biggest names linked to wrestling like he's famously the guy who helped bring The Rock in to sign The Rock so potentially without Pat Patterson there wouldn't be a rock you know so absolutely he's just one of those figures that um i think will leave like a tragic it'll be it's a tragic loss there'll be a big hole left but he did leave one hell of a mark on the industry mm-hmm. yeah absolutely so r.i.p pat um great so moving on to this week's episode uh we're doing things a little differently this week so kind of following on from last week after garrett's very passionate discussion about tag team wrestling we kind of figured well why don't we just talk about our favorite tag team matches so this week we've all picked our top five and we're going to kind of run through them with you so essentially what we'll do we'll just start at number five and we'll keep going around the room until we reach number one um i think that like we were saying before recording that i think there's gonna be one or two matches that might overlap here but i think generally we might have picked quite a nice variety so i don't think there's going to be too much in the way of uh, things kind of been brought up like too much but uh before we get started lads have you got any kind of honorable mentions see i try to keep my honorable mentions just down to a one just so because we could have just we could have went forever yeah saying honorable mentions so mine is the shield versus gold dust and cordy Rhodes, with dusty's career on the line i'm not sure what it was on an episode of raw i'm not sure yeah I'm, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, that's actually in my list. That made it onto my it's list. In list. That's in my list, yeah. Yeah. So, I'm, was... so, uh, so of course we're no longer friends, that, that is your <laughs> honourable <laughs> mention. That's, that's your guilty pleasure, I suppose, but that's, uh, that's quite high on my list, well, in I've, fact. I've championed that match since the first time I saw it. Uh, mm. I, remem- I actually remember Greg Hume in London when this match happened, and I told you, watch this match. Because it was so good, and I but totally I, if, did. Well, tell you what, <laughs> tell you what, totally you and I, I, I'll, I'll basically let you have a, a surrogate extra one on the list when, uh, when I get to my, uh, <laughs> when I get to my my version of it. Then I suppose. <laughs> I mean, you'll, I'm sure you'll both bring it up in a bit of deal when Garrett gets to discuss it. But um, yeah, Garrett, did you have any honourable mentions? So um, I do, I do have a few honourable mentions. Um, uh, I have Mustache Mountain against Grizzled Young Vets. Um, they're they're just two amazing teams um, that have had some some cracking cracking matches. Pretty much any match either of the the two teams have with anyone are great. But when you put the two together, uh, amazing. Uh, another one is Mustache Mountain uh, Mustache Mountain against Undisputed Era, um, which I think was the first five-star match 
five star tag match that that Meltzer gave Garrett, to WWE. Garrett, spoilers, spoilers, uh, spoilers. <laughs> See, there you go. That's that's the problem. That all of all of these all of these matches, all, the cream rises to the top. It does. Um, but uh, one one is one that you and I watched live. It was uh, God David Starr and who was his partner? Cause the, oh. the the story of the match was David Starr versus Walter. It and Walter's was. it was because it was before um, uh, Super Strong Style sixteen. No, was no, it, it was, no, no, it, it was, was before, before the Ali Pali show we went to, which was Chasing the Sun. It was like yeah. just a big Ali Pali show they were doing. But it was also because it was building for those two, and it was also building for their. Uh, what's the, the 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 smaller one that Progress do? The like the up and coming one. Oh, uh, oh, crud. Um, the Natural Progression series, I think. It's yeah, called. so it yeah. was. They had their sort of proteges, the ones that they put in for the Natural per, uh, Progression series. I think it was. Oh yeah, it was David Starr and OJMO against Walter, and it would have been his pick. But I think he couldn't make it, so they brought in. Um, uh, God, I can't. I, I can't remember the, the 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 man's name, but he came in from. Um, uh, I believe it was a Japanese wrestler that came in. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, match was amazing. Uh, I'm not putting it on the list um, because of uh, you know current allegations against David Starr. But at the time, what a what a brilliant match. Yep, absolutely. And I remember we were there live. I think I was absolutely hammered by the time that one came on, but I do remember it being a really good match. You were definitely hammered, yeah. Yeah, that's just a standard thing when I go to wrestling. By by the start of the show, I can remember everything very clearly, and then by the end, it's kind of a blur. But you mean it means it was a good show either way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, brilliant. So I, I've got quite a few honourable mentions, but I'll just kind of fly through them. Um, I won't, I won't say much about them, I'll just quickly fly through them, because I imagine some of these might come up on either of your lists. So I had Aussie Open versus the Swords of Essex, which was a TLC match from Progress Chapter 87. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had the Young Bucks versus Hangman and Omega from AEW Revolution 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, British Strong Style versus Ring Camp from Chapter 47 of Progress. Uh, the Young Bucks versus FTR from AEW Full Gear this year. The two-man power trip versus Chris Jericho and Chris Benoit from Raw. Uh, the Young Bucks versus the Golden Lovers from New Japan Strong Style Evolved. Mustache Martin versus Grizzled Young Veterans from NXT UK Takeover Blackpool. Mm-hmm. And this one was just... Uh, I would have wanted to add this to the list, but I feel like this could be like, its own separate list. So uh, Team WWE versus Team Alliance from Survivor Series 2001. Cracking. So... Yeah, yeah, um, that, that was the thing. Like, I think we could have easily done a top ten, but then this would have been an epically long video, so we're just kind of keeping it to the five. Um, who would like to start us off? I think Garrett should have, because he was the one who brought about this. Yeah, yeah Garrett, come on, way. come yeah, on, go on then. <laughs> All right, so to be honest, most of my picks have already been mentioned on either people's uh, uh, honorable mentions or ones that I'm pretty sure we just all have uh, on our lists. Um, at number five, and I'm sure people will not like that it's a number five, but it's uh, Revival versus DIY at uh, Takeover Toronto, and I'm sure all three of us have a lot to say about this. If we don't, do do we all have this one? Uh, we do, we but do. like I was saying, if we just kind of keep it to ourselves till it comes up, or we'll just say bits as we kind of go through it. <clears throat> so it's up to you if you want to do go all the discussion out now, or if you want to save a bit for when. Oh, I'll, I'll throw I'll throw I'll throw the discussion to the team then. Um, okay. we can just we'll group discuss it. All right, no worries. Go ahead. Um, I mean, the revival are one of the greatest teams, you know, in in the world. They're such a pure tag team. Obviously, people people hearken them back to the ways of yore, 
you know, no no flips, just fists and whatnot. Um, but but really, it's how it's how they can highlight another team that can do those things. Well, I, you know, that does those things. Uh, like DIY, DIY can be used to be a bit flashy, you know, when they were together. Um, but just what what a match this was, and you can see it in the crowd. Part of the reason that wrestling can be a bit of a slog to watch now is that, unfortunately, due to circumstances, we don't have crowds. But the way that these two teams play the crowd and have you have you ready and believing in a fall and and have you you know the, the way that the revival get heat the way that diy um you know play their comebacks it's tremendous Absolutely. yeah just two well at the time two of the best teams in the world obviously revival now ftr still one of the best teams in the world and i'm glad I think maybe from that is where Champa and Gargano got their singles pushes because of those matches they had with the Revival. So I think every every member of that for that match has just gone from strength to strength. Obviously, the Revival took a bit of a dip on Raw, but then have just gone above and beyond everything now that they've left WWE. Yeah, agree. Um, I think it's like as you mentioned there. Um, the thing is, like before this match, and well, certainly this feud, like DIY, both its members had been on the NXT roster for a while and were just kind of doing nothing really. They were kind of names no one really associated with the brand. And then because of particularly this feud, their tag team, their tag title run, and then obviously the aftermath of that, they're now pretty much the main faces of NXT and have probably been up there as some of its longest serving roster members as well. And then, yeah, yeah. I mean, Gargano is is now Mister Takeover. You know, he's been on more than any other. Yeah, exactly. And like, he's always the one who like delivers. That. I mean, he's correct if I'm wrong. He's like basically delivered like isn't it, like at least two five star matches with NXT now. I think it's more it like, than that now. Yeah, it was like, but he did like two back to back that were because I think he had the one with Andrade and then obviously the one with him and Champa mm. not long after that. So it was like quite a few in succession so it kind of just shows the stock people can have if they, they can easily go from like not essentially nobodies but not people like people like didn't like have any kind of eye on and then now all of a sudden they're like basically the face of the brand but um yeah as you mentioned there the revival that are probably my favorite tag team especially like in the current age um they just really are two guys passionate about tag team wrestling especially did you guys li- ever listen to jericho's podcast when they like finally like showed up in AEW. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like the fact when you hear them speak, it, 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 like for them it wasn't just about, you know, winning titles. They just wanted to see a good tag division in WWE, which is why they eventually just left. Like, because they were basically saying, we'll give you the belts and like, we don't want them if they're effectively worthless. We want to see a stronger tag division. So they're like a team that just live and breathe tag team wrestling. Mm-hmm. What's, what's crazy as well is that they didn't come into the WWE together, did they? They were They were put together when they arrived, right? Yeah, I think so. I um, I think they kind of go into that on the Jericho podcast a bit. I think they did know each other on the Indies, but they weren't a tag team effectively. Mm. Um, it was because of uh, they were just thrown together because again they were they were kind of two names that again were just kind of there in NXT. They weren't doing much, and then they were just kind of put together, and then the rest is history. To be honest, 
Yeah, it's just the case of excellence finding excellence, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm sure we'll bring up more about this match as we kind of go through, because I know for a fact, I think we've, me and Jace have both got it as well. But uh, Jace, do you want to take us through in number five? Yeah, my number five is The Shield versus Evolution. Mm-hmm. Ooh, which Fair one? Enough. I think, uh, I can't remember the event, but it's not the elimination match, just the standard three-on-three, six-man tag. And it was just so good at. Because the Shield were, at the time for me, were almost at that upper echelon. They just hadn't had that final kick to get them up there. And then beaten Evolution clean with what looked like relative ease. Just pushed them there. And then obviously the, it wasn't long after that where. Old Sethy Rollins did the hitting them with the chairs, which I think was brilliant, planned or not. But uh, yeah, just a brilliant match. Just short showing Triple H's belief in these three, in those three guys, to put them over, not just put them over as himself, but one of the most dominating stables ever to have been in WWE. No, I, I agree, Jason. No, was this the... So was it after this match that you picked when um, it's the next night on Raw that Seth betrays them? Or was it, was it the match after this one? It was the match after that one. After that one, okay. Because this is yeah. like just following Mania because this is obviously Batista's... was meant to be Batista's big uh, big return and it got absolutely yeah. shot on because people wanted Daniel Bryan. Rightfully so. Yeah. Batista. <laughs> Blue tees there, exactly. Um, I, I don't think I've actually seen this one that you've mentioned because, like, again, this is when I was probably at London, so, and it was just before. Because I, I remember that because it was WrestleMania 3 when the network launched in America, and it was a good like few months until it arrived in the UK, so it was like hard to kind of watch stuff while I was at uni. Um, but I do yeah. remember the kind of feud and angle going on uh, around that time. <clears throat> Uh, cool. Anything you want to mention on that, Garrett? Um, I, I'll go. I'll gush on the Shield for for a long while. I think they were such uh, a, a quality team. As, like before the, the well, how how many reformings did they have after that? Too I suppose. Too many. It um, got very convoluted because of injuries and stuff. Yeah, when they were, when their first their first run just very underrated. I'd say. Um, I mean, I have one of their matches on my list, in fact. Oh, me too. Me too. Well, if you like the Shield, you're going to like my list. <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to bet we might have a, like a shared one here. Shall I go into my number five? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. So my number five is the Shield versus the Wyatt family from Elimination Chamber 2014. Nice. Um, like, it's, like, it's one of those matches because, like, I mean, at the time, it was basically the first time that these two like essentially the biggest factions and the hottest stars on the brand clash for the first time. And obviously there was a bit of hype going on. I mean, the shield had been around for at least a f well over a full year before this match. And uh, the Wyatts, I think the Wyatts had only debuted a couple of months prior as well. So the big thing was, you know, when are they going to finally clash? And they did. Um, and it, it more than lives up to the hype. Like both teams just go hell for leather throughout the whole thing. And it's just an amazing showing. And I mean, it's just kind of mind blowing looking at these two teams and the fact with 
with an unfortunate exception of Eric Rowan, all all the other five have gone and become essentially main event players within wrestling. You know, all of the Shield have won the WWE title and they're all like world champions now. Bray Wyatt has been, and even like Luke Harper now. Obviously, Brody Lee is like a big player on AEW. Um, and it's just a terrific match throughout. Um, one thing I like because I, I rewatched it for this is I I forgot how um, agile and flippy Seth Rollins used to be. He seems to have kind of toned a lot of his like original moveset down compared to like when he first debuted. Yeah, I think I think um, part of that because he could always do it. Yeah. Um, but I think part of that was just they may maybe saw a, a part of the Shield's offense that they wanted to. Um, you know, they obviously had Reigns as the powerhouse, and then why not put a high flyer there as well? Yeah, no, yeah, I agree, and it's it's crazy to watch this as well because you, you forget. Um, well, we kind of brought it up on uh, a couple episodes ago when we talked about Roman, but like how over Roman is when he was with the Shield and debuted. Like he gets mm-hmm. some like big pops in this match, and it's kind of just mind-boggling to think that when they split up, he just became the most booed man on the roster. Um, but it was, it's just kind of nice to see because he's kind of at that level again now where he is just getting such a huge reaction. Um, well, it's hard to gauge given the fans aren't there, but I imagine if they were, he probably would be getting cheered by them. <laughs> yeah, the the MP4s of the fans in the background, they yeah. seem like they're giving him a, a big reaction. Yeah, yeah the, the, the audio loves him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, R- Roman, he gets, a lot of, he gets a lot of stick, but... He does. He he is he's good at his job, and especially now. I think once the fans get back there, I think Greg's right. I think we're going to be getting similar reactions. Yeah. As he was in the original Shield. Yeah. It's 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 very difficult to gauge while they don't have fans because um, all all we have to go on is just the vitriol that is you know Instagram comments or or Twitter threads or or whatever about it, and and like that's just not going to be the wide wrestling audience. I'm I'm almost certain that when people come back, Roman is probably going to be one of the most over. Well, okay, maybe that's a bit of a stretch, but he'll be he'll be pretty over. Yeah. Um, and I think I think people are really going to dig where he's going with the character. Hopefully, we get fans back during this run. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll tell you what's mind blown about this match. Like, this is a match that is sort of you know tailor made for like a big car, like like on one of the main like big shows so um given that i believe it would have been this pay-per-view and then afterwards would have been wrestlemania can you remember who the shield fought at wrestlemania 30 it was daniel bryan big show and ryback no not according to the article i've got in front of me it was kane and the new age outlaws in a match that lasted Ah. just under three minutes (laughs) like they could have easily just kept this i think Oh, actually, I can see why. Cause it was WrestleMania 30 where Wyatt fought Cena, so that makes a little bit of sense. But given how that match panned out, I don't know. Mm. <clears throat> but no, a, a brilliant, brilliant six-man tag match. Uh, uh, again, it was like, again. This was at a time when the tag division was starting to dip down, but at least you had these two teams that were really kind of holding it up in their own way, and they were just always enthralling to watch. You never knew what was going to happen. So, really good match. Uh, Garrett, your number four, please. Coming in at number four is another formerly the Revival, currently FTR match. It is uh, the Revival versus American Alpha at NXT TakeOver Dallas. Good choice. Uh, this Good is 
where American Alpha win the NXT Tag Team titles. I think what the Revival are great at is being the heel, the heel champions that the baby faces win against. Because American Alpha, if if you, I mean, if you just watch any of their work, they're some of the greatest baby faces in the way that they wrestle. Like, if you watch any of American Alpha's work, you just know how good of baby faces they are. And the obvious comparison, and the one that people will still and always will compare them to, is um, is Kurt Angle. Um, and it's so it's so apparent here. Obviously, you know, they're. I, believe they're both collegiate wrestlers i know that gable is uh, i'm pretty sure that jason jordan is and if if he isn't he wrestles like one um they're, they're just they were just pure babyface. there was a point in the match where they both hit but both they, both the teams sort of go through it's it about f maybe four minutes into the match uh revival are taunting them um just taking the piss out of them and then the, it, all, it all comes to a head as they sort of square off in the middle they're all four in the ring ref is like pushing them apart and they grab both of them for a a simultaneous german and it was just oh the, the crowd went crazy the the emotion on their face was just it fucking electric and then the the second gable gets to the outside of the ring goes to continue the move and the revival just cut them off straight away there um, I forget if it was um, Dax or Cash that did it, um, but God, it's just such a great match. No one else has this on their list, right? No, surprisingly not. Um, I remember the match that I remember watching at the time, and it's it's one of those crazy things to look back on now because I remember watching this and thinking, "My God, like it, this is like the the best here are the best teams in tag team wrestling, and if they go with the main roster, then hopefully they'll be the one to like you know like put the spotlight onto." And it's just mind blowing to see that, like, what happened to both these two tremendous teams that would just kill it yeah. in NXT. And it's just kind of like, it's kind of like a, a prime example of what happens when the people get the call to the main roster. Like, I mean, Jason Jordan's no longer wrestling now, which was obviously just kind of a tragic like thing that happened. Chad Gable was stuck with Shorty G, and now he's like finally transitioning out of that. And then obviously we already know what happened with the revival now FTR. So it's just crazy to see. Yeah, it's 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 always sad to see someone so over and, and that can garner that kind of crowd reaction and that can wrestle that well, um, not be utilized as they should be. I think the point of this list is just to say that tag team wrestling is is just one of one of the best forms of wrestling. A, a tangent that I was going to go on, I might as well go on it now, <laughs> is why um, why Japan doesn't have as many injuries or as frequently people injured is because they do a lot of tag matches. Um, the G1 is the most uh, intense um, wrestling tournament ever, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's it's a lot of matches, one after the other. But the way that it works is it's, it's a column A and a column B. And when you're not wrestling in a singles match in column A, you're doing a tag match. So it splits the load. And I think that one of the great things about tag wrestling is you are able to, to, to you know... To, to split the load between two wrestlers, well, four wrestlers, really. Um, you can... It, it's not as strenuous as a, as a singles match, usually. Often, oftentimes, there are, they, there are tag, uh, tag teams where there is a guy designed to take the bumps, as is often the case in, like, a, an Enzo and, and Cass-type uh, tag team. For example, if me and Greg were in a tag team, me being 5'6", I'm pretty <laughs> sure I'd be taking most of the bumps. 
Um, <laughs> but in like traditional tag teams, it, it allows people to sort of take a break and 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 tell a better story. It, you know, having them on the outside just wait. Uh, you know, be too tired to tag back in. All all of this kind of stuff. Um, but anyway, what? Uh, blah blah blah. Tangent. American Alpha. <laughs> what a great tag team and. I guess at least glad we got them for the time that we did. No, I agree. Um, I, w- I always hoped they would have done well on the main roster because I remember when it was rumored they were getting called up, it was when Kurt Angle was coming back. So the big thing was, you know, it would have been perfect if they just gave Kurt, give, like put Kurt as a manager role for them. Like, I think obviously there was the comparison to like being the world's greatest tag team 2.0, mm-hmm. but it's still just the perfect fit given like they all come from similar backgrounds and Kurt wasn't looking to really properly get back in the ring. Um, but then, of course, they just went with the weird story angle of uh, Jason Jordan being his son, which I still mm. fully understand. But yeah, I mean, like it's obviously one of those things, Like if you look at the main roster and it wasn't great, but then NXT, they were absolutely flawless. They were such a great team. Yeah. Especially a team that were brought out of nowhere. I, mean, I think the the only put Jason Jordan with Chad Gable because Jason Jordan was dying on his ass, mm. and put him with Chad Gable because Gable had that charisma that he could use to boost Jason Jordan, and to go from not knowing each other to being legit one of the best tag teams in arguably the world yeah. in such a short space of time is a testament to both of their abilities yeah yeah i mean even even in just just this match alone you can see jason jordan you know he's not he's not like some charisma vacuum he's not some uh talentless hack in any way he's he's so like on it and it, it like just like he, he he matches up to to gable in this match for for charisma and 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 it's why they were such a good tag team there was not one person who kind of lagged behind and and you, you weren't like oh this this guy is going to go on a singles run you were like this is a tag team that could be the best in the world and i think that's what that's why uh the young bucks are so great it's why revival are so great it's why now ftr are so great because you don't you don't see a future single star because that's better you see a tag team because that's as good as it you know can be that's that's as good as a single star, if not better. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And again, like to go from being single stars to a team you could see as being the best team in the world in it was what two, three months is just fantastic. Yeah. Credit to both those guys. No, absolutely. Credit to these teams. It's a tremendous match. Uh, yeah, Jess, take us through your number four, please. My number four is the New Day versus the Usos, Hell in a Cell. Oh, brilliant. That's a good mm. one. And I chose this one because obviously we know the New Day and the Usos could have an amazing match together with no arms, no legs, and blindfolded. But at that Hell in a Cell element into there and it was just a lot so much more brutal than I thought it was going to be coming from these two teams mm. I mean there was kendo sticks there was tables there was chairs there was the steps using the cage a lot uh, I think at one point uh, 
Kofi Kingston got tied to the ropes and the Usos just worked on Big E. And like, so, like you'd never seen that before because I don't think we'd ever had a a tag team Hell in a Cell match. It just it just bumped up the Hell in a Cell match because like now you're like oh where can they go now? Yeah, yeah, no, it, it, it's definitely up there as one of the most um, creative cell matches, in my opinion. Um, I particularly just love the bit where, uh, I can't remember which Uso it is, but the New Day um, basically stick him to the wall with kendo sticks. You know what I mean? Like, well, not stick him yeah. to the wall, but, like, pry them through the cage and, like, basically, like, trap them. I thought that was just, like, such a genius spot. And you're right, I mean, like, it's the thing was, like, I mean, the Usos and the New Day have basically been the ones keeping the tag division alive in WWE, so it's, it's one of those things, they've wrestled each other so many times, but typically, like, you, you, you don't ever really get tired of them, because they always just find a way to kind of keep it fresh and interesting, and that's exactly what this match did, like, at this point, we'd already seen them so many times, but then, when you added this element, they just really, like, went all out for it, and it, it's just, like one of the better cell matches that's been in like the last easily the last two decades. Does anybody want else want to say something? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kind we're, of we're we're all too polite. We're all too polite. Yeah. Uh Garrett, you, you go British. ahead off. Um I think you know the the Uso New Day storyline um They've had just match after match such great chemistry. No matter who you put in there or who you even have on the outside, it's uh, tremendous. Um, it's it's led to 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 even highlighting other stories. My favorite moment of the two of them is uh, of the two teams is is when they were servicing Kofi Kingston's story when the the New Day had to do their gauntlet match. Um, and they'd just gone through uh, maybe two or three teams, and then the Usos come out, uh, they're their next challenger, cut a promo that just says, you've earned our respect, and Kofi's earned our respect, so we won't, you know, we won't fight you, we're going to give you a bit of respite for your next uh, next team. And, you know, because because they'd had this Hell in a Cell match, because they've been through hell, figuratively and literally, I suppose, um, you know, you're you're able to to build off of that, and that that was one case where where you know long term and and good tag team uh, booking happened, and I'm really glad that it did, and and still does. You know, they still interact and they still have sort of chemistry together and acknowledge things that happen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think um, it'll be one of those things where give it give it some time, it'll be looked back on as like one of the all-time great tag team feuds especially like we're saying there what because they've basically been the two sort of teams keeping the division going and kind of um keeping a good eye on it um and again this this cell match will be like one of the highlights from it um was it this cell match where they hadn't not long basically de- like re kind of debuted now as like the sort of uso penitentiary and all that they'd kind of ditched the face paint and the whole kind of I kind of call it the more kid-friendly look, you know what I mean? They were, when they kind of originally started, it was more they were like aimed at kids and could like sell merchandise towards them, and then they just kind of became a bit more grown up, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think I don't think it was too long, but I don't think it was like immediate. Yeah, because the Uso Penitentiary started, I believe, after American Alfred debuted, because the injured Chad Gable in the tournament to crown the 
new SmackDown Tag Team Champions. All so right, I don't think okay. it was I don't think it was too close, but I think it, I, it was less. I think it was less than six months afterwards. Okay, yeah, yeah. It was still like quite early on. I think I remember because like this is when they were again like they just kind of went through like the whole new genesis with the down with the whole thing like down with day one ish and stuff like that where they just kind of became a bit more. I guess heelish and a bit more serious rather than just kind of coming out doing the hacker to entertain the crowd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, no, yeah, absolutely. It's, it was a brilliant match. It was a really good one. Um, so my number four pick is CCK uh, versus LAX from Progress Chapter 87, Bread Knife. Um, this is basically the third in a series of four matches they had. Um and essentially you could pick almost any one of those matches because it's they're all absolutely tremendous if you love tag team wrestling this is probably the one out of everyone i'd say go check out because it originally it just started as just like a fun friendly contest where progress were touring america so they managed to get lax at the new york show that they did and then because that match was so well received and tore the house down they had to get them back for another match of chapter 80 so by that point, it was one apiece, so they got them in for this third match. And this is kind of where it more kind of develops into a story. So what was eventually be um, a friendly contest kind of quickly disintegrates uh, into uh, CCK just desperately wanting the win. And um, the reason why I picked it is just because this has got one of the best finishes ever, and it's not usually the kind of finish you'd associate with being good. So this the match ends in a count-out finish, but the way it's orchestrated is brilliantly done. So... As the match goes on, CCK is slowly just pulling out the heel tactics, and then Ortiz gets an injured knee, and um, as the closing moments happens, he's locked in a figure four by Jonathan Gresham, which then rolls out of the ring onto the floor, and Brooks basically gets Santana in the octopus hold. They basically keep those submissions on the outside right until the refs reach seven, then break the hold and just dive into the ring to get the cheap count-out victory. And the boos they get is just unreal, and what I love about it is even Jim Smallman just sounds incredibly disappointed with calling the end of the match. Um, and I think Glenn Joseph on commentary sums it up best when he says, this isn't the Godfather part three, this is bullshit. <laughs> so it is just a phenomenal match. I'd say probably if uh, you want to just see really good in-ring work, you're probably better off picking the first two. The fourth match is fairly decent but it's just more of like a big street fight brawl uh it's the one where they get eddie kingston in and then cck were meant to have um lucky kid but um he couldn't make it and then in the end they got jordan grace to replace him it's it's still pretty interesting it's a good and it caps off the feud well but i think the first three matches are absolutely fantastic so i like they're like real high recommend from me yeah progress have have really churned out some well amazing wrestling but some absolutely tremendous tag wrestling yeah yeah i mean progress i mean given that they were the company that started off as being just you know strong style pro wrestling um they've just kind of adapted to like having so many great matches for so many different varieties but tag teams something that they've really pioneered i mean when you look at like the alumni of tag teams that have come through there you're talking you know mustache mountain grizzled young veterans cck um they've just had some of the best teams come through their company Uh, I think anything you want to add there, lads, or should we move on to number three? Uh, move on to number three. No problem, Garrett. Take it away. 
My number three is the Hangman and Omega versus the Bucks match that you mentioned. Um, this, you know, it's it's a widely regarded good match, and it it just holds up. Uh, I'm a big Bucks fan. I'm a big Hangman and Omega fan. Um, I'm not usually a fan of um, putting two people together that aren't a tag team uh, and having them beat a tag team, especially one you know as highly regarded as uh, as the Young Bucks. But um, you know th- ha- them having tagged for a little while um, and and the story that they were telling uh, even up to this point and even still now was just absolutely tremendous. Um, the the match itself and the and the 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 sort of push that they put behind Hangman. Um, I mean, the first thing they did, obviously, was was have the first AEW title match to crown the first champion was was Hangman versus um, uh, Jericho, and him having lost that and just you know him him finding trying to find a place, not really fitting in with his old group, the Elite, uh, teaming with Omega, not getting on as a team. Um, it really shows, especially in the finish of the match, where it's it's just Hangman. Like th- he is the one that wins the match. Um, he, he 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 takes one of the bucks to the outside, does the buckshot lariat to the inside. Just it's it's tremendous. It's fucking amazing tag team wrestling. Great storytelling from all of them, and definitely one of my one of my favorite tag matches of all time. Yeah, no, um, I'd, I'd probably dare say, like, I, I, I keep forgetting that that match happened this year, because that was right before lockdown was just about to come into effect. Um, but yeah, like, I, I mean, this match is probably going to top many of the all of the favorites for this year, and it's rightfully so. I, I think I agree with you. I remember, I remember obviously seeing that Hangman and Page won the belts, and I thought that was kind of a weird decision because, like you say, there it, it just felt like a thrown together team when it's a new company. You would have thought they would have wanted to maybe cement the actual tag division with like mm-hmm. the champions first, you know. But then uh, I hadn't really seen them in action until I saw this match, and then I was like, oh, okay, so that's that makes total sense. They're like an absolutely killer team, and the match just absolutely slays. It's like easily one of the best tag matches I've seen uh, in the last couple of years. It's just absolutely tremendous. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't really watch too much AEW, but I, I, I do watch the pay-per-views and this, this match just, as far as a tag team match goes, like, you couldn't ask for, couldn't ask for much more. And again, like, like Garrod, you were saying, like you don't. I'm, I'm the same. I don't like when they just throw two people together as mm-hmm. a tag team. But I think this is one of the times where it, where it did work because obviously they were both in the elite, so they knew each other. They had that chemistry. Yeah. And then they had the added thing of knowing the books, knowing how the books are going to approach the match, what they're going to try and do. Yeah. So they they, they could have played that psychological side of it as well which I think works as just throwing them together yeah absolutely no um, it's, it's, it's an absolutely cracking match um, I, not to spoil anything but have we got the other match from this year potentially showing up on someone's list with FTR uh, is actually not on my list okay. not on my list would you say um, this one was better than the one with FTR? Because um, 
I'm kind of torn between the two. I think you know, obviously, this all of these lists just come down to personal preference. Like, yeah, yeah. My number two will probably be nowhere near anyone's top five ever, um, but I didn't. I for me, I think that the FTR Bucks match is the kind of thing that will lead to an even greater story down the line. I feel like, I feel like their match eventually because you know they must have another match they must have a series i feel yeah. like the match eventually because they are so good and now they have agency over what they do um i think it will lead to probably my favorite tag match of all time and i, I know that's a, a pre-prediction but when you're when you're talking the revival and you're talking the bucks people who've were able to tell a story without even being in the same company it's a pretty solid uh it's a pretty solid foreshadowing of what's to come no i agree um i mean we did say it in our review of uh full gear that the the i think the fdr match i is the one that they've had now was basically just a precursor of what's to come um i think what kind of maybe makes me think the one with hangman and page edges out a bit is just because of the story that they've been telling like like leading up to it and afterwards has just still been one of the most gripping things throughout the year mm. um and the fact that like it's proof that you can have long-term storytelling still in wrestling and that it can serve a purpose and it can be done well because i'm still like itching to see what the eventual payoff will be for hangman and page yeah, I mean, it's got to be leading to to Hangman winning eventually. You'd hope. Could You'd be hope. some curveballs here and there, but I, I see I see him winning. Maybe not next year, but maybe the year after against um, Omega. And you know, the fact that they've had this match and they've had all this, you're going to see it in in the promo packages. You know, going forward, it's going to be tremendous. And we're going to see uh, we're going to see FTR doing a flip and losing their tag match going forward. Yeah, yeah, I'm. You know, it's it's going to be really good to see what what's going to come out of it in the future. Uh, Jace, do you want to take us through your number three now? Yeah, my number three is Team Extreme versus Edge and Christian versus the Dudley Boys TLC two out of WrestleMania X seven. Very fair. Very fair. Very good. Very good. Like, what can you not say about this match? Like, it's fun it's brutal it's the first time well the second time a tlc match had been put on into in my opinion have eclipsed the first one at SummerSlam. is saying something i think it just these three teams i think if it wasn't for these three teams like the tag division during the Attitude Era and into the Ruthless Aggression Era would have been very lacklustre. Just saw the chem- the chemistry between them and with Jeff having to fix a ladder mid-match, just saw, Ed- Ed just saw Christian didn't end up falling. It's just a testament to how much they cared about each other as well. Mm. Yep, absolutely. Um... 
No, I mean, what, what what can you really say about this match? It's it's kind of the match that everyone knows about, but rightfully so. You know, it's this match that's still <laughs> played in, like, promo packages for, like, TLC or for WrestleMania, and it will probably remain that way for years to come. Like, it, it's just insane because it's one of those matches that it's just from start to finish is just full force and it just never lets up. And it's just crazy because, like, nearly everything that happens in this match is just an iconic moment, like... You're talking about like the spear from the top of the ladder. You're talking um, the the big like bump Martin Bubba Ray take right at the very end through a stack of tables. There's even like stuff like the run-ins as well. It's it's everything in this match is just kind of like a snapshot of an iconic moment. You could literally freeze frame and be on something that's like stands out. Yeah, I mean when you when you are part of of not only like a you know a group of matches that are this iconic, but when you're a part of a match that becomes a a pay-per-view, you know, something that is so good that it has to be done yearly, uh, which personally I hate. Uh, I would much rather they just did TLCs as and when it it was for the story. But you know, um, but when you when you're that good that you leave such a lasting legacy and like you say in the promo packages and everything, you you're obviously doing something right. No, I agreed. I mean, I'm with you. Like, I hate the fact that it's now like a monthly pay-per-view. But um, I think I think the thing is as well, like. Like th- this match was still a relatively new com- concept. I mean, what this was like the second ever one, and then yeah. it's kind of been the bar that no one's ever been able to reach, and it probably never should. It, it it's it's just such a, a perfect match that I don't think anyone could ever really surpass it, and I don't really think anyone ever should because that is basically their legacy. Like they were the three teams that basically defined the Attitude Era and even a little bit into the Ruthless Aggression. And I think it's fair to say they're just responsible for being such a big influence on a lot of the teams that you see in today's wrestling as well. Like, without them, I don't think the landscape would be anywhere the way it is at the moment. Oh, definitely not. But, uh, it's like, with this TLC match, obviously, they brought it about in the first one. But it was be- like obviously we all know it's because Edge and Christian loved giving people the concerto. Matt and Jeff jumping off the ladders, the Dudleys putting people through tables. It, I think it was just fortuitous that they all had their thing, and I think that's what made it good, what made it so good, because you were always expecting like. People's going through tables, Dudley's are putting them through tables, Edging Christian's hitting people with chairs, the Hardys are going mental with ladders. <laughs> and even even though everyone was expecting it, they found a way to just exceed expectations. During both TLC matches, they had as a triple threat. But I think this one, because it had that WrestleMania feel obviously it was at WrestleMania but that in that WrestleMania moment and it was part of I think most people's fear favourite ever WrestleMania. X7. Oh hands down, hands down. Mm-hmm. I think I think the match in itself is just one of the big like gems and the reason why that's the best WrestleMania of all time. I mean we could we'll probably come to it as its own thing later down the line because it is like the best WrestleMania. But yeah, I mean that match in particular is one of the reasons why it does particularly stand out. Yeah. Lovely. Uh, Greg, what's your number three? So my number three, uh, as was kind of 
uh, hinted at in the honourable mentions there from Garrett uh, is Mustache Mountain versus Undisputed Era from NXT. Uh, this was just on like the main program NXT because this was part I think like the second in like three matches that they had. So going into it, uh, Mustache Mountain had literally just won the tag NXT tag belts from Undisputed Era uh, a couple of nights prior when they did the second UK title tournament. Um, that was a great match in itself, but this one was just like like absolutely ridiculous so it's mainly just because it's a match that tells such a good story and it does it in like like in like just 20 minutes so the match starts and it like mustache mountain like a house of fire like sort of like dominating over the disputed era but then uh trent gets his knee wrecked i believe it's possibly roderick basically drops his knee onto the ring apron and then from there the whole match is just centered around the fact that trent's injured and undisputed era basically pulling out all the tag team tricks that they can to make sure he can't get the tag to tyler so he's constantly locked in submissions they're constantly knee bars it's it's it just keeps building to like him not never getting the hot tag but then tyler eventually does and it's like the kind of standard thing he just kind of shows why he he's he is going to be the future of this business? Just the, the like Tyler Bear, what can you say about? It? He's just such an amazing talent, and then um, it, it's just the way they build the story. So you see Trent's getting tended to by the doctor, and then he's like up on the apron again, saying he wants to be it, but Tyler's hesitant because he can see his partner's injured, so he's just trying to carry the team. Um, and then by a pure accidental bump, Trent gets in again, and then it just kind of dissolves from there. He gets locked in another knee bar and. It's just the pure emotion you can see between the two of them where Tyler basically goes to throw in the towel and Trent has to basically tell him not to do it. And, uh, of course, eventually Tyler kind of does it. And it's sort of that interesting story where you see a team where they care about one another and it's not just about winning gold. Like, Tyler sees more of the value in his partner than actually retaining the belts. Yeah, yeah. This match, I, I remember watching their matches... Uh, the second night of the uh, title tournament, seeing that match, seeing Mustache Man win the belt, which I didn't see happening. I didn't see a team from NXT UK winning the quote-unquote main NXT tag belts. Mm-hmm. But then when they did, I thought, oh my God, this is fantastic. Then when I heard they were doing the rematch, I thought, are they going to be able to top it? And not only did they top it, but they topped it in a way that... I think this is the thing with Triple H, the consistent storytelling. Because it's still selling injuries that they <clears throat> uh, sustained in that first match and just carried it on, just building it and building it. And like you said, just the anticipation of Tyler Bate getting that hot tag, like even just sitting at home, you could feel the, the crowd just ready for it just building and building and I think if they'd left it any longer the crowd's head would the crowd's heads would have would have exploded <laughs> absolutely um no that I mean it's the thing like it, it's just it, it's crazy that this is just a 20 minute match because there's just so many elements into it that you could just break down like the the, the crowd especially uh it's one of the like greatest crowd action scene because they really do get behind so when the match starts, there is kind of a mix. It's like half and half. There's the chase with Mustache Mountain. There's the chase with Undisputed Era. But the crowd really do feed into the into the emotion, especially with uh, Trent just trying to get the hot tag. And then um, the very end there where Tyler's just holding the towel above his head, unsure of what to do. And I think even the crowd are basically asking them not to do it. And I think some might even be split with him like saying to do it. So it, it 
the emotion in, and the storytelling in this match is just off off the scale. It's incredible. And um, as Garrett pointed out there, it's one of the, again, one of the few NXT matches that gained a five-star rating from Meltzer. Um, and the fact it was just on main program NXT as well is just kind of uh, ridiculous to see from this kind of match. Gary, do you have anything to say on it, given you had it as an honourable mention? Um, yeah, I mean, I just fucking love British Strong Style, uh, you know, Mustache Mountain. Um, uh, I was there at Blackpool to watch their their match against Grizzled Young Vets, uh, and obviously seen them a few times at multiple other shows. Um, they're tremendous. I think that uh, Undisputed Era have have sort of cemented themselves as just such a, a bloody good team you know yeah, yeah. Uh, and they've seen it like they've they've pretty much dominated the the tag division and just dominated nxt as a whole um but putting them putting them together was just a, a little a little stroke of genius and and it was two tremendous tag teams and and it, you, you don't really see the the towel being thrown in thing much anymore which I think was good in a sense, you know, uh, yeah. it, it coming out uh, on a on this. I mean, you know, they do they do carry towels to the ring. Very old school of them. Um, I think yeah, that's I, why it's why it's a clever angle because they're using something that the audience would just see as oh, it's just you know part of their uh, entrance. You know what I mean? They've just got the towels, they whip them on the ring ropes, but they've actually yeah. used that prop. And in such like a, it was basically just bringing back an old school concept and like making it seem fresh again. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I agree. Like Mustache Mountain's been one of my favorite teams for a while now. Um, I feel like we've not ne- we've not seen their full potential in things like NXT yet, if that makes sense. Because it feels like they've never fully known what to do because at some points they've got done with them and it looks like they're leaning towards doing British Strong Style as a stable. But then they separate, then they end up taking done done away from them again. And then both Trent and Tyler have kind of had singles runs and then they occasionally go back together to be a tag team. It, it they've, I just feel like um, with this title win, I thought we were going to see like a decent run out of them. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I would say it was a little bit good that they lost, but then... The way that they did it and the story that they told, like I, I could honestly say, I wasn't too good in the end because it is just such a good match. Yeah, the, I mean, there was a point where because the, the first NXT War Games was a was a three team thing, right? It was um, Undisputed Era, Roderick Strong, and Authors of Pain, and Sanity. Uh, and Sanity. And I pr- I think it may have been the year after that. Was that the, one, the year after it was done, right? Yeah. So it was. Um... Dunn, Ricochet, the Viking Raiders against all of Undisputed Era. There was a point. There was a point around then, and I think maybe even the year after, where I was, I was very hopeful that they'd go back to maybe a three on three, um, sorry, a three team thing, where yeah. it would be a, a British strong style. Because we really, we haven't really seen British strong style as a stable, um, you know. To the extent that they can be, obviously they have on the indies and yeah. and and all these places. I think that hopefully we get something like that. I think it would be great. Yeah, I mean it would probably just be saved for more NXT UK stuff. Um, but the, you know they're so good that they could they could really, if given the chance, they could branch out to to main NXT and even to the you know to SmackDown and Raw. 
Yeah, I agree. I, I feel like if they did bring British Strong Style, we need to see it as like the heel British Strong Style as well, because um, as mentioned, one of my honorable mentions was their match against Ringkampf for Progress, and I rewatched that thinking it was nearly going to make the list, but the heel work they did in the Indies was so good. I mean, at the time they did the Ringkampf match, it was not long after the UK title tournament, so they're starting to get more of a spotlight, yeah. but the Progress crowd are absolutely booing the crap out of them and it, it, what they do is they just play up to the fact that they are WWE guys now because for a long while they would come out but then they would do all three of them would do the Triple H Triple H water spit as like a knowing nod that like yeah we are in bed with WWE what are you going to do about it mm-hmm. really good but yeah I, I mean I hope we'll, we'll see we'll see more we'll, we'll see them properly together again but if not I'm hoping we'll just see all three of them do really well because they're all just absolutely amazing talents all right, Gary, do you want to take us through your number two? Uh, I do indeed. Uh, this was, in fact, one of Jace's uh, uh, guilty pleasures, honorable mentions, whatever we're calling it. Um, and I suppose maybe even for some people this might be viewed as a, a guilty pleasure match if you're not a fan of The Shield. But my number two is Cody and Goldust versus The Shield at Battlegrounds 2013. Um, uh, it was fucking great. I love this match. Only about 13 minutes long. It really was all it needed to be. It was it was concise. It was to the point. Um, told a great story. Uh, like you were saying, uh, Dusty's uh, career was on the line. He was also ringside. Um, I, I suppose it's one of those uh, tales of a tag team that isn't technically a tag team tagging. Um, but they're brothers, so you kind of forgive it, you know? Yeah. Um... I mean, we were we were talking about how the Shield, just how good they were as a team, and Jesus, like they were so good. I think in the match it was Rollins and Reigns, and yeah, you know Reigns is so fucking. It's, he's great at selling. He sold for Goldust so well. He sold for Cody. Great. I think Co- Cody hit. I think my favorite. Um, what's the the Insiguri he does off the ropes? The disaster kick, right? Yeah. Yeah, he hit. I think my favorite one of all time on on Reigns during that match, absolutely tremendous. Um, God, there's a there's a point where um, you know they have they have a stare down all three men against all three men. Dusty takes off his belt and he's winding up for for the elbow and just just every single person that match is doing absolutely tremendous work. Yeah, like for me, just having Dusty there on the outside just added yeah. so much because you can't not love Dusty Rhodes you can't it's it's not possible and just to have him there and see him like wind up for the elbow you're just like oh my god like it really is Dusty because this is mm. after he'd lost all the weight wasn't it yeah and he didn't he didn't look like the Dusty everyone thinks of <coughs> he's like oh my god it actually is Dusty and Again, like like you say, have his have his career on the line, and have his sons fighting for it. Just added, just made it all the more special. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the one of the one of the one of the best things in tag matching is is hot tags. Um, yeah. Or, or you know, someone crawling for a tag. That's that's just one of the the easiest bits of storytelling in tag team wrestling. Is is that um, you know a heel cutting someone off before they can tag and just getting the crowd to, to, to yearn for that person to be tagged in. And I think it was, um, 
dusty, he's crawling, he's crawling, he's crawling. Uh, Rollins cuts him off, finally fights off Rollins. Rollins quickly tags in Reigns, just as Dusty's about to get to... Um, sorry, just as Dustin is about to get to Cody. Uh, he he power slams... Because he's got one of the best power slams in the biz, uh, Gold Dust has. And he, I think he power slams Reigns, and then finally gets the tag. It's oh, it's just beautiful, man. Yeah, I, I considering like they hadn't tagged together. I don't think they tagged together in WWE. And mm. just to have that purely because of their brothers, even though there's quite an age gap, they just had that chemistry. Just to be able to go out and do it, like you'd, you'd think they'd been a tag team for years mm-hmm. with just the chemistry and being able to feed off each other and just to make it just made the match so special just to have these brothers tagging together for possibly the first time to defend their father mm-hmm. yeah I mean I guess I like I kind of hinted that I've not seen this one but I think from the sounds of it it's going to be high on the priority to check out um, for my own peace of mind, I'm guessing this is like long before he was Stardust, right? Yes. I don't think it's long before. I think it's no, uh, wasn't think that they, long they afterwards actually, then. Yeah, because they actually became a tag team after this, didn't they? Yeah. And then not long after, Stardust was born. <laughs> and we don't talk about that. <laughs> we don't talk about Stardust. You said we wouldn't speak of Canada. Lovely. Um, no, like I say, I think it's one I definitely need to get on to, so I think yeah, it's that'll a, be it's, high on my list. It's an easy watch as well, only about 14 minutes. Yeah. Pretty concise. Um, you can whack that out on a on a, on a a commute or something, you know? Little little bus to work. Where do I have Not the that, commute? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I will watch it while I'm at work, because I basically don't do anything at the moment. <laughs> Lovely. Um, Jess, do you want to take us through your number two? Uh, yeah, mine's already been said. It's uh, the Shield versus the Wyatt family. Oh, hey. For full details, see previously in the podcast. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, like like I said, we already kind of went to a lot of it at length there, yeah. but uh, it, it's just a terrific match. I mean, it kind of showcases... I'd say probably when both teams were sort of at their peak, because again, it wasn't long after that the shield had maybe a couple of months before they dissolved and then the Wyatt family just went through a whole mess as well because again it was after that it was the mania match of Cena which kind of buried Bray and the family a little bit um but I mean I suppose eventually it did all lead into some pretty good things uh anything you would like uh, anything else you want to add to it uh no just well just that I wish we'd got a series of those matches Rather than just the, the one and done. Yeah, because that's the thing, right? It wasn't literally just this one match. Like I've seen out of my head that there maybe might have been another one, but I'm not sure. I mean, this I is the one that stands that, out for sure. I don't think there was. I think because this was at the Elimination Chamber, and then that was straight into WrestleMania. Where yeah. Where you said they had the match with the, the New Age Outlaws. So... I think there was only the one. There might have been like other matches of like maybe two of the Shield and two of the Whites, but I don't think there was another match 
with all three against all three. Yeah, I mean, because it was the big thing that when the Shield did split up, the at least all three of the members feuded with Bray at one point. So yeah. there's they're, they're basically like it's basically a group of people that have been intertwined. But I think I think I think we're right. I think it is just literally this one match, which. Again, I think to be fair, like it it was kind of perfect. It was like again a showcase of two, like two of the best stables that WWE's ever had, um, and then they basically knocked out the park with this one match. To be fair, yeah, I think the only thing was that the only downside of that match, and it's nothing to do with the match, mm-hmm. it's that the Wyatt family sort of fizzled out a bit after this. Even though showcasing how good all three members were, well, are. Yeah, again, I think it was just the situation of... Because the Wyatts were red hot, and I'm pretty sure it was because of that. Because that was the thing, they went into the feud with Cena for Mania, and I think everyone was hoping... Well, what it should have been, it should have been the showcase that really put Bray over as like this next big player. But then, if I'm right, Cena basically did beat him, and that just really hindered the character for a bit. And then after that, the Wyatt's the Wyatt the Wyatt history is so weird because I mean they basically split the team up, but then got back together again for a bit, and then it was split up again. And I mean, I suppose it worked out in the long run because Bray's obviously killing it now with the Fiend character, and like I say, Luke Harper's managed to. Shed his skin as just being like a fin- like a talent who was not looked on fondly in WWE and is now one of the like the best things on AEW Dynamite. And it remains to be seen about Eric Rowan, who's not really done anything since he was let go this year. No. Oh well, no, it's still a great match. So yeah, moving on to my number two, um, it was Edge and Christian versus the Dudleys versus the Hardys TLC two from WrestleMania seventeen. Mm. Um, Again, like we've already kind of covered this, like see see previous previous choice, but um, what what, what else can you say? You know, it's 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 such a defining match. It was essentially this would be one of the first matches I ever saw as well, because like we discussed in the first pod, I got into wrestling around the end of two thousand, and it was just such a hotbed of pay per views. And then the fact that this is one of the first matches I saw, it's kind of little wonder I've remained a devout wrestling fan since. Um, it, it's also a match that I just don't think you can ever get sick of. You know what I mean? Like I think I think even for people who've got like a list of their all-time favorite matches, there's some matches you don't go back to a lot. Um, whereas this one, you can watch it over and over again, and you, you'll always pick up on something that you've either didn't notice before or something that you forgot about because of just how much just occurs in this match. It's just fair enough. It is an absolute spot fest, but there's nothing necessarily wrong with that because the, it was kind of very new for the time. It was something that we hadn't seen before. And again, they just set the bar so high, it's just not been able to be surpassed since. What I found was interesting about this was, I can't remember if it, was the, it might have been the third one. Did you guys know there was a TLC free later on that on that year on a SmackDown, but it also included Benoit and Jericho? Yes. Yeah. It's, I don't think I've ever seen it. Me neither. I totally forgot that was a thing. Um, so I'm going to have to go back to. But yeah, I, I completely forgot. Because I remember Jericho and Benoit were tagging because it was a uh, maybe because it was a month after this they had the great tag match with the two man power trip, which is where because that, that, that's a great match in itself. But everyone obviously only remembers it because it's when Triple H completely wrecked his uh, tricep. Um, I thought it was yeah. his calves. Calf was it his calf? I thought it was his tricep. Yeah, because he was in the walls of Jericho on the. On the table. 
Yeah, no, but he, he wrecks it before that. It's literally, he goes to, it's either he breaks up a pin or a submission attempt, and all he literally does is he just kind of falls over, but he must have fell wrong. And I'm pretty sure it is the thing where if you pause the footage, you can see the muscle basically, like, run up his leg. You can see the ripple because of how much he tore it, and then... Amazingly, he just gets back up and limps and lets Jericho do that spot on the table. Like, luckily, that's kind yeah. of where the match ends, but it's still kind of ridiculous to see Triple H's grit and determination just to get through that match, despite the fact he probably shouldn't have been walking. <laughs> no, should not no. have been walking. Definitely not. <laughs> but yeah, uh, TLC two. What can you say? It's absolutely tremendous. Um, just phenomenal. Uh, Garrett, do you want to take us into the number one then? Uh, I will indeed. Uh, my number one match of all time, and I'll go on a quick tangent. And I'm sure you, you know, you'd, you'd all agree. Obviously, we're products of our time. We're all similar-ish ages. Um, I mean, I'm I'm 24 now. How old are you guys? 27. 27. You know, like there's there's really not too much between us that our wrestling may differ by a little bit. But what I've seen is most likely. Um, you know, I, I was on the I was on the tail end of the VHSs, so I probably saw a lot of the same VHSs that you did as well. Yeah. Um, but the amount of wrestling, and obviously now we're talking about tag team wrestling, but tag team wrestling that's lost to the annals of history, or you know, just isn't really easily accessible to us now, is very sad. We're we're luckily we're lucky enough to have um, uh, WWE Network with a lot of backlog and and history, and we've obviously got a lot of other streaming places and and great current live um, tag team wrestling. But I'm sure you know if we had the thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of tag team wrestling, we'd easily find you know a, maybe a Midnight Express match or a, um, a, a goddamn like a Territories match from back in the day that would that would say satiate us far better than than the wrestling does now. But uh, we don't un- have those right now. So my top, and I, th- I think it would still be my, my favorite match of all time, even if I did did have access to all wrestling in history, uh, is the Golden Lovers versus the Young Style of 2018. And you two must have seen this match of course it is the best match of all time so you must have seen this match well i have seen it but only very recently as you know uh, because mm-hmm. you have uh, mentioned this match uh, quite a lot since we've been friends and mm-hmm. it was only recently i finally got around to check it out but yeah you're absolutely right it is um a tremendous match jace uh jace have you seen it uh i have seen it but not for a long time um I think I saw it a couple of days after it actually happened. And I think that's the only time I've seen it. But again, like, phenomenal match. Like, just all the talent involved. Like, possibly, arguably the best tag team in the world with the Young Bucks. And then Kenny and is it uh, Naito? Koto Ibushi. Koto Ibushi. Um, two of the best singles wrestlers in the world, arguably. Not even arguably with Kenny Omega. Um, he's phenomenal match. Great storytelling. Like, it's one of them that I will have to go back and re-watch. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, uh, 
it's a match that I've watched many times myself. I watched it right away after I'd watched it the first time. Um, if you talk about long-term storytelling, you know, the Golden Lovers are... They're, they're, now we're in an age where there are multiple YouTube videos and even um, uh, a, few, a few TV documentaries on, on Kenny and, and on, on his history. And the Golden Lovers is one of the best stories in in wrestling. I I, I don't I it, it's one of the best modern stories and I think it is genuinely one of the best stories going on in wrestling right now. And it's not even finished. You know, it's it's one where it can span multiple uh years, multiple companies, um you know, and 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 multiple formats. You know, they're single stars, they're they're tag team wrestlers, they're um, they're doing all of these things, and and when they reformed in New Japan, massive, massive praise just all around, and it was something that everyone had wanted, and it's something that they'd they teased in match. In I mean, there was a, there was one match way back when when Kenny was in the Bullet Club, um, and he was I think I believe he was ringside for AJ. It may have been it may have been Balor at the time I forget, but anyway it was it was um, the leader of uh, the Bullet Club at the time against Kota Ibushi, and um, he was being Kota Ibushi was essentially being you know beaten in the middle of the ring and and Kenny was just at, at ringside and you could see like the facial expressions. This was this is years before they actually get back together and actually you know reconcile and. And become a tag team again, but just his hesitance and and sadness in his face, and you you just don't really get to see that in wrestling because you know it's just not storylines are forgotten when you know uh, the the SmackDown hacker or or like oh God too many I mean Raw Underground all of these things are just forgotten unfortunately and not um, well some fortunately but. Uh, <laughs> You know, this is a, a a a story that hasn't been forgotten and has been told in practically every match they've had, even when they're not together. Um, and finally, they come back as a tag team, and they are against the Young Bucks, who themselves have such an incredibly storied history from, you know, back in TNA, um, all the way through Ring of Honor up to New Japan, and you know they they get a lot of flack from people like uh like your Jim Cornettes and people like that that don't see storytelling in their matches they just see flips or whatever but they are some of the best wrestling storytellers there are um all all a lot of the new japan run of the the young bucks matt was selling his back i think i've mentioned that before um and that was a real focal point of this match um they were just kind of being out out athleticismed by the golden lovers because you look at the two of them and they're just absolute greek gods of men um god there was the one spot that really that sums up just how how well it was put together and how well they sold and the story was when um uh, kota ibushi was was thrown to the outside and the the young bucks finish is the the Meltzer driver where um, one does a springboard to to push the other one into a sort of a pile driver. Uh, Matt has Kenny in the middle of the ring, 
and he tries to lift him. But the back has been worn down and down and down, not just over the match, but over months and months of just it not being seen to, them wrestling through the pain. Um, and he can't get him up. Nick is saying, like, come on, come on, come on. Kota goes to grab Nick. Nick kicks him away and then goes into the ring, gets behind Matt and lifts him up uh, into the position. You know, crowd is... is The crowd doesn't even know who's... Because it's not really a, a face and a heel thing. Uh, like, both of these teams kind of love each other, but they're, they're still there to prove who's the best in the world. Um, so so they're, they're cheering for kind of everything, and it's it's such a... It's a strange dynamic. In wrestling, you, you believe that it needs to be a face and a heel, but it's just... When you've, when you've told a story this well, you don't necessarily need it. Nick goes back to the outside, gets ready to do it, finally is about to jump up, and Kota grabs his legs, can't jump, and then power bombs him through the announce table, and it's just... All of them are completely spent and practically collapse. It's it's amazing. I, I adore this match, and I could go on and on for hours, uh, as I'm pretty sure I have now, looking at the, the time code. <laughs> I mean, well, this is what it's all about, you know? Like, I think, because like we've said before, like, tag wrestling's both the kind of form wrestling we both love the most, and when you make a pick like this, it's hard not to see why, because... Like you said, like I hadn't obviously seen it before until like I was about a week or two ago now. But you really do feed into the emotion of the storyline as well. Um, was was this kind of like was was the story kind of going into it that was this kind of leading towards Kenny kind of eventually falling out of favor with the Bullet Club? Was he because he was still technically with them right when this was going on? Mm, no, he was kind of he'd he'd stopped the Bullet Club from attacking. Um, from attacking Kota a few times, and that's that's when they started attacking. So he basically was out at this point, really. Um, and it was when they were forming... This was like the, the, the forming of the Golden Elite, which was the, the pinnacle of the Elite at the time, obviously, you know, including Kota Ibushi. Um, but, oh yeah. God, just even those, even those, just like him protecting Kota. I love yeah. it. It's, it's, it's so goddamn good. It, it really is. Because, um, like, I, I didn't really know much of a history about the Golden Lovers until, by chance, I found... It, it was a, it was clearly a documentary made for Canadian TV about... Oh, Omega Man. It might have been that one, because it goes really into the history of the Golden Lovers. Because yeah. it's got... They've got... They're like a team that's got a big connection with the LGBT, right? Because... Well, they're sort of um, uh, uh, an ambiguously... Uh, because there's not really, I wouldn't say it's it's a sexual relationship between the two, but there's there's you know a, a lot of affection between between the two, and you know you you could you could very much view it as a as as sort of a, a gay storyline, um, and it's not something they've ever you know outwardly said. No, it's not that. It's we're just two great friends. They're just sort of like it's up to your you know interpretation and and you know it 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 can it really does work as as that as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's what I thought was so fascinating about when I watched that documentary, um, that it had that connection with fans, and I think that's what one of the best things is about wrestling. But when you can find something like this to latch onto, and I, f I feel like they've kind of uh, obviously deliberately not gave a definitive answer to it, just so they could please those fans, which is always a lovely thing to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, two, I mean, again, two of the best teams there, and the match is just absolutely brilliant it, it's definitely def i can definitely understand why it's your number one pick yeah i mean it's it's 
It's one of the reasons why one day when either Ibushi goes to AEW or, or Kenny goes back to New Japan, that's where my eyes will be. Doesn't matter if WrestleMania is on at the same time. Doesn't matter if um, uh, goddamn any other show is on. I will be watching that. Absolutely. No, I think I'll be the same. I definitely want to see what they could be doing next with it. Um, so we'll, we'll go into my number one because you may have noticed, listeners, that uh, Jace has gone very quiet. Um, his laptop has uh, decided to reset an update on him and he's just given us the go-ahead to kind of wrap this up because we, me and him <laughs> had the same number one pick, he's told me. so. Windows 10, baby. Windows 10, it's a it's a fickle bitch. <laughs> um so yeah, but um, he, he's only just he's just messaged me there. Both me and him had the same pick, which is DIY versus the revival, two out of three falls, NXT takeover Toronto. So kind of kind of interesting that we've essentially bookend bookended the list with this, because given that was your first pick, and now it's both mine and Jason's last pick. But uh for me it's kind of if someone says like like why do you love tag team wrestling, I would basically tell them to go watch this match. Um I think growing up, tag wrestling was always kind of the one thing I gravitated to, but it was never I could never really give a definitive answer on my favorite form of wrestling. And then after watching this, it was like, this is why tag wrestling can be my favorite when it's done right, because that's the thing. A lot of tag wrestling just really isn't done the way it can be. But when I saw the revival, it's like, see, that's how tag wrestling should be. They're like really smart in how they like schedule a match, if you like. Like they do things that other tag teams won't do, and it's only just like you know a little. Little things like the way they'll cut off um, a pin, or they'll help, or they'll cut off like um, another member from their team. You know, like they do stuff that you just don't see that much of anymore from a lot of tag teams. Like they really understand the psychology of it, and it was just the fact like this had such an amazing story going into it of uh, DIY just never quite being able to get there. And I think it speaks volumes for itself. I mean that the, the ending of the match has just become one of those sort of like iconic images of both revival locked in the submission and having to like <laughs> clasp hands to try and not submit mm-hmm. but then both of them just have to eventually admit defeat and tap out at the same time it's just a beautifully orchestrated match yeah yeah 100 percent um it's it's almost it, it's it's almost heartbreaking that the that diy broke up i mean they they didn't begin as a tag team. They they had their match in the Cruiserweight Classic and, and sort of were, were paired off after that. Um, which is, you know, a great story in and of itself. Um, they've done similar things where it's it's two wrestlers that, that just sort of have a chemistry fighting each other. So they're like, well, maybe we'll make this work as a team. Um, God, God, a, a really decent one was is Cesaro and, and Sheamus and their best of seven, uh, then becoming the bar which I think were a tremendous tag team. Uh, but yeah, it's almost heartbreaking that they had to break up. But as they are, and as we spoke about earlier, two absolute goddamn standout stars that you know have, have led to probably one of the best heel characters of this generation and just one of the, the, the best workhorses of a brand time after time in, in Johnny Gargano. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, it's just crazy to see where. I mean, it, 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 it. I remember watching this when obviously it happened live, and it still doesn't feel like it was that long ago. But when you look like at the at the years since, where all four of these men are now, they are basically like 
the most talked about people in wrestling. They're the people you want to watch and see what they do next. And I feel like this was the match that kind of put them in that position. Um, it certainly sort of signposted to them as being two tremendous teams and that NXT was essentially the place to go watch tag team wrestling at the time. I think, obviously, NXT still stands cut and shoulders above um, the main brand, WWE, for like tag team wrestling, even now, even though I think at the moment it's in a bit of a lull period for the tag teams they've got. But... It's still always going to be that thing. It was just, it was just like a, a, a natural thing. If you watch the takeover event, chances are you were going to see a tag team match that was just going to knock your socks off. And this is kind of like the chief reason of why that was such a thing in, in NXT for such a long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we're we're still in a pretty decent age of of NXT, but that was that was a fucking golden age, you know. It was. Um, the talent that they just had then when this was happening. Because uh, like, NXT has always been a solid brand, in my opinion. But it, there are points where there's just there are lull periods just because people have been pillaged for the main roster. So they've kind of left them a bit barren. But the, the cool thing about NXT, and as we've said there, is you, you, can, you never know who's going to be the next breakout star. Because as we've said... Gargano and Champa were just two kind of nobodies on NXT for the longest time, and then it was because of the Cruiserweight Classic, this feud, their tag team, that they just kind of got a rocket strapped to the back, and now again, like they are just two of the biggest faces on that show at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, they're they're now two of the biggest faces on that brand, and and FTR are arguably the best tag team in the world right now so at least at least it worked out for the two for the yeah. four yeah no massively so um brilliant i think that'll probably wrap things up here so we hope uh you all enjoyed this uh different episode um i think everyone loves a good list episode so we'll definitely be doing more down the line uh just to quickly wrap up there again um Go check out our friend William Corley, who did our intro music, which will hopefully be on the beginning of this episode. Um, um, check out Spotify for Late Night Brain Freeze. Um, you can find us on social media, the Bear Hug Club podcast for Facebook, Bear Hug Pod Instagram, and Bear Hug Club on Twitter, and the Bear Hug Club podcast for YouTube as well. Again, we're, I'm going through the process of adding uh, highlights and full podcast episodes on there, so if you want to go check us out, please do. And I think we're going to try and come up with some ideas for the youtube channel isn't that right garrett yeah we're going to come up with a few different um plans here and there we've had a request for uh some types of reviews and and whatnot but but really we're just going to do what is fun it's a very oversaturated market so we're not here to become the next talk is jericho we're here because we're, we're just some big wrestling fans and we want to talk about things like tag team wrestling and what makes it great 100%. Uh, again, the whole the whole point of this podcast is we just want to talk about what we love and we're just free mates who just want to have an excuse to get together and go really in-depth on this and share it to people who do want to tune in to listen to us. So if you've been listening so far, thank you very much. And um, yeah, we'll see you next time. Later. Later.